And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to talk about preparedness, extreme preparedness. What does that look like? What does it take? John Wooden, successful basketball coach at UCLA, won 10 national championships, including seven in a row, unprecedented. He had a saying, doing a lot of little things well will lead to greater success. So it's about being prepared and preparedness. When you focus on the small stuff or the fundamentals, as opposed to the final result, well, you have a better chance of being successful. That could be in sports, could be in business, it could be in a relationship, it could be in your academics, it could be in your hobby, it could be anything that you do. If you're looking at the fundamentals, the little things, and you do them well, and you're able to have success in those little things, then you are going to have better success overall. If you play an instrument, and you know the chords and the progressions, and you do them well, and you're able to move your fingers across the keyboard or maybe play the guitar in such a fashion where you hit the notes just right, or maybe a breath control when you're singing and you do the little things right, that would lead to greater success and the outcome more pleasurable. The saying goes, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. We've all heard that before. And so that's so true. I mean, you think about it. You think about take anything in life that you're going to do, okay? Let's say you are going to have a new addition to the family, a baby. You obviously prepare for that, at least people used to. There would be Lamaze classes to prepare for the birth. There would be getting the room ready, the nursery ready. There would be getting the clothes and the amenities like a changing table, a dresser, maybe a uh, diapers and wipes and bottles and all that stuff that you need. And you prepare. You prepare for life-changing events. Or maybe you're going off to college and it's your first time. You got to prepare for that. Parents, you know, when you go back to school, you see a lot of people posting a lot of images on social media. And some of them are another day, another year. And others are like, off to college for the first time, boy, that hit me hard. And you see the tears coming down, you know. Other times it might be, hey, this is exciting senior year, last of the great years of high school. And so you get all these different things, but you got to prepare for that, right? You've got to prepare for those emotions, or at least you try to. You prepare for your dorm room. You prepare for your classroom, back to school supplies, back to school clothing. You got to get everything in order, right? What's your morning routine going to be like? If there's a bedtime, you know what that's going to be like. And so you prepare for that. If you're going to be given an assignment, you know, you got to prepare for that. If you're in a business meeting and you have a business meeting, you're not going to go in and just wing it. You're going to go in, you're going to be prepared to give the information, especially if maybe the boss is calling the meeting and you have to present some information to some bigwigs. You want to be able to prepare and get the information correct so that you can then give them the best information possible because you want to look good because your job might be at hand. But sometimes you've also heard the saying or experienced it perhaps that, you know, nothing gets done to the last minute. You know, you wait till the last minute. How true is that? I mean, a lot of people wouldn't get through college without the last minute. 
wouldn't get a lot of projects done in school without the last minute. Sometimes in life, it takes us to the last minute before we get things done. And because of that, we might not put our best effort into it. You think about that. Our best effort might take time to develop the process, to go back and review our work, maybe to add things to it. If you're an athletic team, you're not just going to show up on a Friday night if you're a high school football player or Saturday if you're a college football player or Sunday if you're the NFL or not just show up at game time if you're playing a sport and expect to win. Now your talent might make you have a good game, score lots of points, do well, but chances of success are less. So let's take football, for example. You come out Monday and you start preparing for the team that you're going to play on the weekend. And you might have a game plan. Monday, maybe you're going over offense and defensive strategies. And then Tuesday, maybe you're putting it together with a, a semi-scrimmage. I don't know. And then Wednesday, maybe you do some special teams work. And then Thursday, you put it all together for your Friday game. Or maybe you have to travel. And so you take off, hit the road. And so there's a lot of things. Maybe you have team meetings where you look at film. And you go over with the opposition does for their offensive schemes or maybe if it's basketball you're looking over shooting charts who's the hot player who's the one that we have to guard make sure they don't make the final shot make someone else beat us or maybe it's a musical and you're going over where everybody's going to be you know you think about these big concerts you know anybody that goes on tour they don't just show up and play they go into maybe they rent out a big sound stage, or maybe there's a, an arena somewhere that they run out and they go through and practice their show. So when they hit the road for reels, they've gone through everything that they're going to do on stage. And sometimes if you see video from somebody, take your favorite artist and maybe you see videos posted on social media or on the internet early in the tour, maybe things change as it gets later in the tour because some things didn't work or maybe things had ideas changed and got better and you go out for sound check and maybe somebody has a new idea. So you're always prepared. The successful people, the successful music act, the successful movies, script writers, everybody prepares. Nobody just puts it at the last minute and comes up with an idea. So waiting till the last minute is just inviting extra pressure and extra pressure has a negative effect on the body physiologically, the body reacts to pressure and you're not going to perform as well because you're going to be panicked. You're going to be anxious and nervous that you're not going to be able to perform. And so you have to deal with that and overcome that. And now you're focused not on the presentation, but now you're focused on how your body's reacting to being nervous and being anxious. Can I do this? I mean, think about people that speak in public. The first time you spoke in public, were you nervous? Did you have butterflies? Or were you calm, cool, collected? Chances are you were probably nervous. But if you do it enough, I remember the first time I got up in front of people and had to speak. It was pretty nerve-wracking. Then when I decided that, you know, maybe public speaking, media, you know, speaking in front of people was going to be something that I was interested in doing, I found ways to overcome that. I'd run for a school office. So I had to speak in front of the entire school body. Uh, student body, and then, you know, uh, maybe find some other jobs that made me get up in front of people, strangers, to speak. And now I really don't have a problem getting up in front of anybody and speaking. And sometimes the smaller groups can be more disheartening than the big groups because you got immediate reaction to what you're saying, right? 
in the classroom versus a big auditorium. A lot of people are scared of talking in, in a big auditorium in front of thousands of people. You can't see their reaction. So for me, that's an easier arena to speak in. But if you're prepared, it doesn't matter if you're in a small arena or a small classroom or in a big arena talking to a lot of people. So if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing get done. But again, how well is that thing getting done? We also learned from a recent podcast, if you haven't been following us, you should. Uh, talent alone doesn't always get the job done. It's not enough to just go off of talent alone. You've got to be prepared. You know, sports is full of a lot of huge upsets, right? I mean, I think recently in college football, Appalachian State, you know, beat a sixth-ranked Texas A&M team. But then back in 2007, I remember a huge upset against number five Michigan. So even though Appalachian State might not be winning big games all the time against top-ranked teams, they've done it a couple times now, which means that they've prepared themselves for those games. Appalachian State probably doesn't get a whole lot of talent like an Alabama might or another top-five school, but they go in and they beat top five, top six schools every now and then. Why is that? Because they were prepared. If they relied on talent alone, they probably would not have been successful. On the flip hand, maybe you've heard the expression overlooking an opponent. Maybe some of these other teams that lost took for granted. The opponent that they were playing overlooked them, did not prepare themselves. So they had more talent, but they weren't prepared. And I like using sports because sports is full of upsets, you know, um, measurable upsets. You know, you can look at the uh, U.S. hockey team beating the Soviet Union in the semifinals of the Olympics, Lake Placid, New York, the miracle that took place there, miracle on ice. And you start to see other areas, other arenas talking about Olympics. Do you remember Rulon Gardner in the 2000 Olympics? He's a wrestler. He was up against a guy from Russia, Alexander Karolin. And this guy, this Russian, hadn't lost a match in 13 years. And Rulon Gardner beat him. I think the final score was one to nothing. Won the gold medal over a guy that hadn't lost in 13 years. Now, Rulon Gardner just didn't show up. He prepared for that. And so a lot of things go into winning something that's an upset like that. Obviously, you maybe have things go your way. Um, the ball bounces right for you. You're prepared, so you're ready. Maybe you get a little luck in there. You know, a lot of different tangibles also go into it, but it starts with being prepared. If you're prepared, then you're going to have a better chance at success. Think about Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson back in 1990. If you guys ever saw Mike Tyson in his heyday, one time, me and my dad, we get pay-per-view, right? We're going to watch a Mike Tyson fight. And this was when Mike Tyson was knocking out boxers like in 10 20 seconds. So the bout was about to begin. I decided I was going to run in. I figured I had enough time to run in, grab something from the fridge, and come back out. And sure enough, as soon as I do that, the bout's over. He knocked him out within the first 10 seconds. Never bought pay-per-view since. Never bought pay-per-view since because I missed it the first time. Not going to miss it again. March Madness. Cinderella story. There's a lot of games, a lot of teams, but I think back to some of the earlier ones. Some of those Cinderella stories like NC State over Houston back in 1983. Jim Valvano leading the cardiac kids to an upset win. How about a couple years later, Villanova upsetting the mighty Georgetown Hoyas. Or Super Bowl three when the Jets 
Broadway Joe Namath took down the Colts. You know, it's just some of the biggest upsets in history, in sports history, as you look back on. And there's there's more. There's plenty. You can pick them out anywhere um, and find your own examples. But, again, preparedness, practice, getting ready mentally, physically, emotionally. you got to prepare yourself. You can't get all that together at the last minute and expect to have success. You can't go in there and get your mind ready. You can't go in there and get your body ready. You can't get your body ready to wrestle or to box overnight. You have to put in the time, get into the gym, the weight room, do your road work, things like that, to get ready, to prepare for that. Um, basketball, you know, you're probably even practicing, scouting, executing the offense against other good teams. By the time you get to the championship game in March Madness, you've played against some pretty elite teams. You know, Tony LaRussa, Hall of Fame baseball manager, he said pressure is the lack of preparation. When you feel that pressure on you, you've probably not prepared enough. You've got to get in there, got to do the work. Because when you take pressure away, I mean, you look at all those, like Michael Jordan, for example, okay, or Kobe Bryant or any number of great athletes. They want the ball. They want to make the last shot. They want the ball in their hands. Why is that? They don't feel pressure because they know they put in the time and they know that they'd rather have the game on the line with them taking the shot or being the one with the ball versus somebody else. But they don't feel the pressure. They don't get that anxiousness because they've been there. They prepare themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, and, of course, on the basketball court. So if you've ever felt pressure – if you've ever been frazzled, maybe you just weren't ready. And if that was the case, how did you perform? Something to think about. And so here's a, uh, a clip I want to play for you. Jacko Wilnick talks about preparation and planning, which is important. But he also specifies not over planning because sometimes we can do that, right? We're going to sit there. We're going to prepare ourselves. So what do we have to do to prepare ourselves? Well, we have to plan. You have to put a plan in motion, right? And so what's the plan going to be? And a lot of people get caught up in planning, 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 and yet they never execute. And so they get nowhere. So here's this clip. If you have time to plan, then of course plan, do, do as much planning as you can. Dig in and plan every detail that you can plan. Now, when it does come to planning, I think the most important part of a plan, the thing that makes a plan the most effective, is its flexibility. And making a plan that is so flexible that when you do the actual operation, and you come up against unexpected things which are absolutely going to happen, you have the flexibility, you have options, you have contingency plans to deal with. Now, so plan as much as you can, but the problem is with all that emphasis on planning, sometimes people become obsessed with planning. And they plan and they plan and they plan some more and they plan and they plan and they plan and they they don't want to execute. And if they do execute, they execute late. They missed their opportunity. So that's why 
That's why Patton said, I got this note written down here. Patton said, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week, right? That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Just come up with a good plan. Don't come up with a perfect plan that takes you two weeks to come up with. That's not going to help you. So you're preparing yourself, and you got to put this plan in motion. It could be a practice plan if you're an athlete. It could be a business model, how you want your success in your business to go. It could be a lesson plan if you're a teacher. Okay, so there's many things, but you got to plan. You got to put it on paper. You got to be able to organize your thoughts, how you want it to go, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it. You're not just going to walk into a classroom and you're not going to just be like, okay, now we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. If you walk into any classroom, especially an elementary grade level, you're going to see on the wall a schedule of when they do guided reading, when they do math, when they do recess, when they do lunch, because it also helps the student to focus on when these things are going to take place. Now, some of them might have a time next to it, like from 9 to 9.30 is guided reading. Others, there might be no time. It's just listing what they're going to be doing in order. If you have a, if you're an athlete on a team, you're going to have a practice plan. Maybe if you're in the gym, you have a workout plan. So you create this plan. Now you can get lost in planning and then never execute it. You can plan at the last minute, but then how well is that going to be? Okay. So you're putting your plan in motion. Now you're ready to go. So what do you focus on? Again, and so what you start with is the fundamentals, the little things. You know, I know a kid that's going through um, strength and conditioning at college, and he deals a lot with athletes now. He's kind of elevated himself to dealing with athletes. And a lot of it comes down to how they lift the weight in that exercise. If they're doing a bench press, a squat, or whatever newfangled exercise that's going on these days. It's about how you do it. Where's your hand positioning? What's your arms What are they doing? Are your elbows out? Are they in? Because you want to avoid injury. You want to work the muscle that it's supposed to. You know, you got larger muscles, smaller muscles. If you're working on a smaller muscle exercise, you don't want the larger muscles to do the work because then the smaller muscles never get stronger. And so you have to focus on the little things. Sometimes in baseball, pitching Or hitting, it could be the little thing, pulling your head. Your hands aren't the right way. Maybe you drop your back elbow, maybe your shoulder. You know, little things. And sometimes when you listen to, at least when you would listen to Tony Gwynn, for example, maybe Pete Rose and some of these hitters that were really successful, like base hit hitters, you know, ones that would get like singles, get a lot of hits, not many home runs, and they'd bat for average. They would see something, a little something that the pitcher would do. And a lot of good hitters do this. They find something. You know, basically it's the pitcher tipping his pitch. But a lot of times these great hitters see something so subtle, so little, that a lot of people don't see it. And then they keep that to themselves. So every time they face that pitcher, they know that little thing that's coming. Now, other times it could be like when it was the Astros, I guess, and the Dodgers and you Darvish in the World Series was tipping his pitch and the Astros, you know, knocked the ball all over the field. So he was tipping his pitch, okay? So that was a big thing. So it's a little thing, but it's a big thing. So there's a little differences there. But you want to start with the fundamentals. If you do the fundamentals, if you do the fundamentals right, you're going to be better successful at whatever it is you're doing. Think about the, the athletes, the track athletes that get into the starting gate, you know, in the blocks. Or if you're swimming, you're in your stance in the block, 
or diving. You know, it takes them forever to get up there and they do their hands and they're on their tippy toes and then they, you know, do their jump. But it takes them a while before they don't just get up there and go because they're getting ready. They're preparing themselves with the fundamentals of pre-jump, probably envisioning what they're going to do, how their body's going to rotate, where they're going to tuck, where they're going to spin, gymnasts the same way, you know, track athlete, okay, how they're going to come out of the block, what are they going to do with their hands, what are they going to do with their feet, what kind of movement are they going to get, you know, they get to plan through all this. And so they starts with the fundamentals. So are you writing your reports well? Are you writing your business correspondence well? Uh, are they easy to understand or are people getting confused? Are your lesson plans easy to understand or are they confusing? You know, did you prepare them? Are you ready for the day? Are you running late? How many times do we sit there and we hear people talk about running late? I'm running late. I'm running late. Well, did you not plan your morning? You know, it sounds redundant and maybe sounds a little childish, but maybe you lay out your clothes ahead of time so that way you already know what you're going to wear. Maybe you pack a lunch ahead of time and stick it in the fridge. Maybe there's things that you do that prepare yourself the night before so that the morning isn't so rushed. Maybe you have to get up a little bit earlier so that you have that extra time. And sometimes five minutes can make a difference. Sometimes 10 minutes can make a difference. I know sometimes when I have to work, sometimes I have to be at a school at 725. And other times I don't have to be there till 745. Okay. And that makes a difference. That 20 minutes does make a difference because I have to get up 20 minutes earlier. But that 20 minutes earlier is really more like 30 minutes because I'm still kind of sleepy. I don't wake up as awake at 6 as I do maybe 6.30. Okay, little things makes a difference. You're sleeping. What time do you go to bed at night? Are you well rested? Another thing you got to keep in mind too is this. There is a difference between the will to win and the will to prepare. We all want to go out there and win. We all want to go out there and play the game. We all want to go out there and be a part of the festivities of the main event. But it's hard to get up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., hit the ice rink, hit the road running, hit the pool, or maybe the practice floor or the weight room. That's hard to do. There's no fanfare. There's no one there cheering you on except maybe the strength coach if he's awake. But that's where it's done. That's where winning begins in that preparation. And you have to have the will to do that. You have to want to do that. You have to have the desire to go and do that. And then not only do that at 4 or 5 in the morning, but do it with a, a focus on the little things, the fundamentals. Because fundamentals will eliminate ways you fail and eliminate ways that you lose. I mean, think about that. You lack success when you fail at the fundamentals. A lot of athletes will say, if they're in a slump, I got to get back to the fundamentals. Or we won because we did the fundamentals. And people are like, what's a fundamental? It could be anything. But it's doing the little things and having success at the little things. I mean, you think about uh, football, for example, the penalty flag. Okay, there's a big play downfield, and everybody's excited because your team's driving down for the game-winning score, game-winning touchdown, but there's a penalty flag because somebody was holding or an illegal block. Ball comes back. They did something wrong. They did not do the fundamentals. Maybe they got off the line because their focus was off, and so they're a little slower on the snap. 
and they hold somebody. Or maybe you're focused someplace else and you haven't been working on your jump shot. And so your shot is off because you haven't been working on it. Fielding errors, you're not focusing. You're not going through the fundamentals of getting the, the ball on the ground, the glove on the ground, scoop up the ball, throw to first. You're doing other things. Steve Sachs played second base in the major leagues, mainly for the Dodgers. And he um, had a hard time throwing the ball from second to first, second to first. Kept throwing it away. Lots of errors got into his mind. Had to get back to the fundamentals to be able to correct that. Maybe even just scouting your opponent. You know, if you scout your opponent, you can – I remember one time a guy asked me if I would scout a baseball team for him. It was the uh, – it was a district tournament, and he had been out there for a long time, and our game was done. We had done a game. I was broadcasting the game at the time, and I was sitting there with the game uh, at the second game after him, and he was like, hey, can you scout this game for me? I'm like, um, okay, what do you want me to do? Because I didn't know exactly what he wanted um, or what he was looking for. He's all, just scout the game. And I'm like, okay, but scouting could be many things. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what this guy wants, but I'm going to start, you know, give me some charts and stuff. But I started taking um, a lot of detail or putting a lot of detail in the scouting report, uh, what this pitcher threw on this count. And it kept me busy. It was actually kind of fun. I don't think I could do it forever because it was a lot of work, a lot of paperwork, a lot of tedious note-taking. But I gave him the um, – the scouting report because they were going to play that team the next day. And he looked at it and he's like, what did you do? It was way too much information as I found out, but he had every little thing that he needed. Or one time, how about this? Talk about being prepared. So I was, I just started out working at a sports station in LA and my first gig was working Friday, Saturday nights, four to midnight. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Saturday and Sunday nights, four to midnight. And so on Sunday, obviously it was the NFL. So Monday morning, what I had was I had two, Audio highlights, ready to go for the sports update anchor or anybody that wanted to use it. But two highlights from every single game. Way overkill. They would never use it. But it was there for them to use. Because I could either spend my Sunday night just sitting there monitoring the board, which was pretty simple to do. Really a press a button or two here and there, and that was pretty much it. Um, make sure the volumes were okay. Or I could spend my time doing that and the rest of the time working on something so that the morning anchor for the sports updates had all the sound that he would want. And now, again, it was overkill, but that's what I decided to do. And it was appreciative because he told me one time that, you know, he knew he could walk in and he had a choice of any game. And usually it was like, you know, one or two highlights that was like the big plays, right? Um, and so he really enjoyed that. And so it made his job a lot better. It made his job a lot easier because I was able to do that. Another thing, and this is kind of one of my favorite stories. So again, working sports uh, station in LA, our show was on 12 to four. Our main competitor, I was working for Fox sports radio uh, affiliate and our main competitor was an ESPN. Well, their show was on from one to four. Okay. So we had an extra hour. And so when I was, I was driving in, I realized that the competitors, they had a promo announcing what was coming up on their show for that day that came on the air while I was driving into work. So I decided to have some, some fun. So one time they said they were going to get like Kobe Bryant or somebody on. So I called the Lakers or whoever it was and I said, Hey, can we get Kobe on? Or if it was USC football back in the day when Matt Lyon was there, can we get these, this person on at, at noon? And. It worked out where we'd get them on. 
And so basically what I was doing was I was stealing the thunder from the opposition, from the competitors, because we would get that guest on in the 12 o'clock hour. They didn't start till one. So by the time one o'clock rolled around, that guy, that guest had already been on our show, already talked about whatever they were going to talk about. And eventually the competition picked up on it. And there was a guy that was a host on that show and a guy that was a host on our show. And they worked together at a TV station on the weekends. And so the guy asked him one time, why do you guys keep stealing our guests? And the host that I was working with, he was like, I don't understand. What do you mean? And he said, yeah, we oftentimes find that our one o'clock guest is on your show at noon. How is that? So the guy asked me, said, what's, what's going on? And so I told my host, I'm like, dude, I listened to the promo. And then if it's a good guest, I just steal them. I thought it was a good idea. He didn't mind because you're in a competitive business. Well, eventually they stopped airing their promo at that time. But that's what it was. It's finding out the little things like scouting an opponent in a business, in whatever else, and trying to beat them to it and take away their impact. So we would promote the fact that this guest, Kobe Bryant, whoever, was coming on our show first, and then nobody had to rush to hear them because they had already heard him on our show. It's all about preparation. I've got a story about Joe Montana coming up in a little bit that I want to share with you, but Joe Montana was asked about his leadership skills and his preparation and what that all meant to him as a quarterback in the NFL who won Super Bowls with the San Francisco 49ers. How would you describe your leadership style and why it was successful? I was usually the first one on the field, last one off the field. Preparation was the most important thing, and Bill taught me that preparation. We didn't have the little earphones that they have today where they can tell you the play. We would have... 120, 130 passes in every game plan, probably 35 to 40 runs. And if you don't spend time, it's easy to tell if you're not studying your playbook. I learned from Bill that, you know, with preparation came success. And the Bill he's referring to is Bill Walsh, who was the head coach for the uh, 49ers. But when you think about that, there were no technology back then like the headphone thing that he talks about. You had to know the pass plays. You had to know the run plays. You had to study the playbook, and it was pretty evident when you weren't studying and putting in your time preparing. So think about this. If you become brilliant at the basics, the fundamentals, the little things, you will find greater success. We like to focus on the scoreboard. We like to focus on the big plays, but it comes down to the little things. I talked with a sports psychologist one time, and it was USC. They were playing Stanford. It was when USC was heavily favored. I think Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford, the coach. It was at the Coliseum, and the USC got beat. And it was a huge upset. And I was talking with a sports psychologist after the fact, and she told me that she knew that USC was going to lose. And I'm like, why? How'd you know that? And she said body language. It was all about body language. So she knew talking with athletes and dealing with athletes as a sports psychologist that their body language was too confident. They were taking Stanford for granted. Stanford came in prepared, they executed their game plan, and they won. Stanford was less talented. USC had way more talent, but they lost because they did not execute the little things. They did not prepare themselves. They overlooked them, and they ended up losing. Think about, um, well, Tiger Woods. I've mentioned him many times, you know, changing his golf swing when he was at the top of his game and only got better. Or think about if you listen to a demo song. Somebody submits a demo song, and nowadays 
there's uh, well, I'm sure you can find them online, but when they had the heyday of CDs, sometimes they would put in these CDs, extra tracks, and it might be a demo song of a track that became a hit. And they're very basic, okay? And so obviously it's just a demonstration song, but if that was the final product, nobody would listen to it. So they go back and they rewrite it. They re-record it. You know, they put all the bells and whistles in it, and they make it better. Sometimes they might alter the lyrics. Maybe they bring in a, a songwriter to enhance the lyrics. Uh, producers may want to change some things around to make it better. And the next thing you know, you've got a hit. Maybe it's a one-hit wonder, but it's a hit. What about movies? You know, they look at movies and you hear about, you know, editing being left on the cutting room floor, right, when they used to cut film that way. And so they would look at the, all the filming they would do and they'd piece things together and then they would try to tell the story and they'd be like, okay, let's take this out, let's add this. And nowadays, especially with, um, you know, a lot of documentaries that you can find on online, different sources online, you know, they talk about how the movies were made, right, behind the scenes, um, you know, go behind the camera and you get these documentaries describing these movies that are made and the mindset the stories, the strategic planning that goes behind some of this stuff. And some of it is just wing it, you know. Hey, you go do something because we just need this shot because someone thought of an idea. They don't have time, so just go wing it. Or what about Psycho, the famous shower scene when Psycho, Norman Bates, is stabbing the gal in the shower, right? Well, that's chocolate syrup that's being squirted because it worked better on film. It looked better on film. So, you know, somebody went into that planning to look at that detail. So that little detail of blood, I think it was in the movie um, The Saint with Val Kilmer, Elizabeth Shue. I think there was one scene in there where Val Kilmer's wearing like this uh, Russian sweater. And I guess they had to look everywhere for this ex- particular type of kind of sweater that he was wearing because Val Kilmer thought that was the look that he was going for. And it mattered to him that much. And so... The details, okay? Oftentimes a painter might paint over a canvas or maybe not release something publicly because he didn't like it. And when everyone else looks at it like, oh, man, that is great. Picasso, great. And it was like his worst painting released after he had passed on. Or musicians throwing away music because they don't like how it sounds. But to the consumer, the fan, you know, we love it, right? I mean, you talk about, you know, Luke 16.10. He who is faithful in the very little things is also faithful in much. He who is unfaithful in the little things is unfaithful in much. So even when you get into the spiritual and the faith-based world, you know, the little things do matter. It comes down to preparing for the little things because the little things lead to success. you got to prep. Preparation leads to extra confidence. Extra confidence leads to extreme winning. Practice is confidence, or I should say practice is, leads to confidence. Confidence can lead to success because confidence reduces pressure because you've practiced and you've planned. And so you can walk into a situation ready to go. I think about Freddie Mercury, and I know I've shared this many times, but Freddie Mercury, in his dying days, they came up with one last song, one last video. These are the days of our lives. And if you watch again the documentary of this, even in his sickened state, he was very particular about the way his hands were in the shot, what he was wearing, how his voice was, you know, what they were doing because his voice was weaker because he was sick and how they were amplifying it to make it sound just so. And he was very particular even in his dying days about the little things. It's important, you know, and that's what we need to do in our daily life. You know, these are people that are excelling in 
I guess the profession, but you know, music, movies, sports, things like that. But what about our daily lives? What about as parents, as children, as friends, as neighbors? Are you preparing the little things? Are you doing the little things when you come across somebody that you meet? Are you going to say hi? Are you going to smile? Are you going to do something to a stranger that you pass on the streets? If there's something that's going to happen on your drive to work because you're running late, are you in a heightened state of anger? We flip somebody off because they ran a red light or they did something that caused you to miss the green light. Now you have to sit a few moments at the red light. Or have you already decided that, okay, I'm going to prepare myself and plan ahead so that I avoid those situations, give myself extra time. Okay. We need to make sure that we do that. I mean, you prepare for vacation, you prepare for business trips, you know, and so again, preparation and then executing that plan. Right? We heard about that from Jocko, executing that plan. Okay? So here's a story. I was working at a uh, news talk station in L.A., and it was when the Oklahoma tornadoes broke out. And I had two people in Oklahoma, boots on the ground, on the phone, ready to describe. Now, the host, they decided not to trust me, and they did not put my people on the radio. Instead, they went to a co-host that lived in Oklahoma, but never saw a tornado, according to herself, missed out on an opportunity. I'd planned something. I'd prepared it. They did not execute it, and therefore they missed out. Boston bombing when the marathon. I called up a guy that I knew who interned for me in L.A. He lived in Boston. I'm like, hey, you okay? Everything good? He's like, dude, I'm looking at the finish line from my apartment. Tried to get him on. Planned it, prepared it. The host did not execute it. They lost out. So again, you can plan, you can prepare, but unless you execute, you might actually miss out on some things. It's all about mindset. You know, you have to have the positivity that comes from the mind. Because remember, if you think you can do something, you're probably right. If you think you can't do something, you're probably right. And so preparation and confidence, they go hand in hand. And again, remember, there is a difference between preparation and confidence And then arrogance, okay, preparation and confidence. So you get confident from your preparation and your planning, right? So you know you're going to be able to be good at something. And so you're confident about it. You have this air about you that, yes, I know I can accomplish something because I'm ready to do it. Versus arrogance, which is a deficit that you're saying that you're good at something and you're overhyping yourself and you have an attitude about it. I'm better than you but you're covering up your deficiency because you didn't plan, you didn't practice, and you don't know if you can do it, but you say you can. And then when push comes to shove and you try to do it, you can't do it, and then you blame everybody else. So arrogance tries to cover for the lack of confidence someone has, which means that person failed to prepare. So if you ever uh, ever come across somebody that's very arrogant, they probably failed to uh, to prepare because a confident person knows that they can get the job done and they don't have to push that on you, okay? So what about getting ready versus staying ready? One thing I always told my uh, students in my radio broadcasting class was that if the opportunity came for you to audition for your dream job right now, are you ready? Would you be able to do it? And if not, why not? And why aren't you preparing yourself for that? Because there's many stories in radio and media and broadcasting, entertainment, that you just never know when that opportunity is going to come, right? You could be singing karaoke at a bar, cat's meow in New Orleans or Las Vegas, and somebody hears you. 
You could be on the internet, on social media. Someone finds you. You just never know. So are you ready? Are you prepared? Have you planned so that when that opportunity comes, you are ready to take it at that moment? Or have you missed an opportunity? Because I see so many people who wait until they see the opportunity before they start to prepare, before they start to even get ready. But in this life, to be successful, you always need to stay ready because your opportunity will come and go before you even know it. Your teacher asked you to read the chapter and you pushed it off. Now there is a pop quiz and instead of you being prepared, you have to now try to get prepared. You're out with your friends and you run into that person that has your dream job. They ask you to connect on LinkedIn, but your profile and your resume aren't updated. These are the moments, the opportunities that will come and pass us by. And it's about taking the time to prepare so we can capture the moment, so that we can win that very moment. Successful people know that if you stay ready, you don't need to get ready. And for most people, they will wait until that opportunity has already passed to get ready. There was a student, Brandon was his name, and he had a show, Pay It Forward. In fact, you can find him on social media, Instagram, Pay It Forward. And um, that was his slogan. You stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And he was saying that for years, just as I would tell students, if you had the opportunity now to audition for your dream job, and that merged right there in that intersection, in that clip, are you ready or do you have to get ready? And there's a big difference because a lot of times people wait for the opportunity and then they get ready. And when that opportunity isn't there or it's passed them by, now they've missed out. Rick Barry, a legendary NBA player, he would practice, he'd plan, you know. He was about a 46% shooter from the field, so about 50%. And somebody asked him one time, hey, if you're in a slump, what are you going to do? And his response was a confident one. He said, if I go 0 for 10 or miss my first 10 shots, you better look out because he's about to make his next 10. And that's the difference. He's not arrogant about it, but he knows that he's a good shooter. Stats back it up 50%. If he misses his first 10, he's going to probably be lights out over his next 10. So confidence is the result of hours, days, weeks, months, years of constant work and dedication. And then it pays off. If you are confident, then you did put in your time. You did prepare. And the result is success. And that's something that you can be proud of. That's something that will make you proud. I mean, think about Tom Brady. Do you think Tom Brady worked hard for years? Of course he did. Winning seven Super Bowls, and now I guess he's now the oldest player, oldest quarterback to start a game. But that did not just happen because he was talented. It took work, preparation, commitment, probably over the course of his lifetime. And think about it. This guy was selected 199th in the 2000 draft. Six quarterbacks went ahead of him. Want to know who they are? Chad Pennington, uh, some guy, Giovanni Carmazzi. I never heard of him. I think Chad Pennington went to Marshall College that just 
pulled an upset, I think, over Notre Dame recently. Chris Redman, T. Martin, he was at uh, Tennessee. Mark Bolger did play for the Rams, had some success during their uh, greatest show on turf years. And then uh, some guys, Spurgeon win. And so Brady, this is what he said. He said that he memorized those names and thinks about them to motivate himself. He's planning. He's preparing. Mike Piazza was drafted by the Dodgers in 1988 as a favor to Tommy Lasorda, who was the manager at the time. And so Tom, Tommy Lasorda did a favor for Piazza's dad and said, okay, I'll draft your kid. Piazza was drafted 1,390th. Initially as a first baseman. And then Tommy Lasorda's like, no, you're going to be a catcher. Now he's a Hall of Famer. In his first year, he was a National League Rookie of the Year, an all-star for 10 consecutive seasons. Who's the successful one? Tommy Lasorda? Mike Piazza? Probably a combination, right? Because Tommy Lasorda planned switching him to a catcher might be better for him, better success. Kobe Bryant, sometimes he was labeled a ball hog because he wouldn't pass the ball, but Online clips and interviews. Kobe has always said that sometimes he couldn't trust his. Uh, sometimes he couldn't trust his teammates because he knew they did not put in their work. So again, who are you going to rely on if you're putting in the work? Are you going to get others to do it? And that's why we say raise the standard, bring out your inner greatness, so that way you inspire and motivate others to do it. Because if you're doing it, maybe they will see you doing your work, preparing, planning winning, having confidence, and then maybe they will want to aspire to do that too. And then it goes and goes and goes, and now you're impacting a lot of people's lives. You know, Joe Montana, he was uh, playing in the Super Bowl, and it was late in the game. They were driving down for the game winning, the Super Bowl winning, the championship winning drive. And he's in the huddle. He looks up, and he sees John Candy in the stands. He asks his teammates in the huddle, hey, isn't that John Candy, that comedian guy? being calm under pressure because he was prepared because there was no pressure. It's just another drive down the field like they've done. He, like we heard in the earlier clip, he knew the 130 pass plays. He knew the 45 run plays. He had been there. It's just another drive. We think it's a championship drive, and it is. But to him, it's just another drive down the field. We're going to make these plays that we've done every other Sunday that got us here. It's easy to make baskets in the backyard, isn't it, when no one's looking? But what about when it's a championship game or the game's on the line and the world is watching? That's when it's really difficult. That's when it's tough because you've got all that pressure, right? We feel it. We feel the, the broadcaster says that you can cut the tension with a knife. But to these athletes, they prepared, they planned. So what have you done to prepare and to plan? You know, it's all about practice. Been mentioning Kobe a couple times, so let's hear from him, the late great Kobe Bryant. Well, I mean, here, here's why practice was important to me. Not from a, just the standpoint that I enjoy playing. Like I enjoy being there. Um, I enjoy getting better. But as a leader of a team, it's also your responsibility to elevate the rest of the guys. And what people tend to get stuck on a lot is saying, okay. The way to make players better is to pass them the ball when they're open. That's a very trivial way to look at things. What you have to do is you have to get them emotionally uh, 
to want to be better. You want, you, you have to get them to an emotional space where they wake up every morning driven to be the best version of themselves, right? And how do you do that? Right? And in practice, for me, it was a chance to, to drive them, to challenge them, right? If they're, and, and this is where you have to know your teammates, because if it's late, we just had a back-to-back, and we had practice the next day, and you show up, and guys don't feel like going through the motions, don't feel like practicing, it's important to know each and every one of them individually, personally, because then you know what nerve to touch. Some guys, it's like, okay, come on, let's, you know, we can do this. That'll get them going. Other guys, no. You got to figure out what button to push. You know, Powell was always Spain. If I tell them how they lost in a gold medal to us and how they're going to lose again, how I'm going to beat your ass in practice just like I beat you in a gold medal game, oh, that, oh he would hate that. <laughs> He'd hate that. But that's what practice was. You have to drive them. You absolutely have to. And if practice is more intense and harder than a game seven will be, then a game seven will be easy. But if it's not, then that's when teams start folding and capitulating. See, again, it goes back to the little details, right? So you're going out to practice. Kobe talks about coming off a back-to-back. You just played two games. Now you've got to practice. So most people, they're thinking, okay, we're going to go practice. But Kobe's thinking, okay, i got to know my players, the teammates, because i got to find a way to motivate them. Because I'm out here to be my very best, and because it is a team sport, I can't do it by myself. So I need others to be at their very best. So what can I do to motivate them? And you've got to know them. You've got to know how to motivate them without causing a rift, right? So again, knowing your teammates, knowing your coworkers, how can you motivate them? How can you get them to do something? Knowing your students, Knowing the people in your social circles, knowing the people on your team, as far as if you're working on a project, you know, you've got to know the little things. How do they operate? What's the best way to motivate them? What work environment is best for them? You know, do they work better in a kind of a quieter setting? Or do they need some noise? Because quiet can sometimes be irritating. And you can actually lose focus. Some people actually lose focus when it's quiet. You know, you got to listen to music or something. You know, it's just the little things, you know. So if you're a leader and you're leading a team, a coach, whatever your position might be in leadership, do you know your the players below you? Do you know what makes them tick, what makes them work? Do you know what motivates them the best, how you can get the best out of them? I mean, you think about people that live in different parts of the country, right? You talk about preparedness, emergency preparedness. If you're in California, maybe you're getting prepared for earthquakes. If you're in the Midwest, maybe it's uh, tornadoes. If you're in the South, you know, Florida, for example, along the Gulf Coast, maybe you're getting prepared for hurricanes, right? But you want to be prepared because what happens if you're not prepared? You're probably left out in the dark, you know? Probably have no food, no water. What are you going to do? Where are you going to stay? You know, I've experienced many earthquakes. Had all my earthquake preparedness stuff ready to go. Fortunately, even through the earthquakes that I went through, I never had to use them. I've never experienced a hurricane or a tornado. I would love to see a, a tornado in action one time, somewhere maybe just out in the field where it's not going to cause any damage. Very fascinating. Nature, right? The power of nature. And that's the thing. Sometimes there's stuff that happens that we have no control over. The end result, but we can definitely prepare. You know, Noah, you think about Old Testament Bible, Noah and the ark. Noah didn't wait for it to rain. 
before he started building the ark. He was building the ark, and he was being mocked and ridiculed for it. But then what happened when the rain started, and they never let up, and he enters the ark, and he's safe, and his family's safe, and those animals are safe. The people on the outside pounding on the ark, let us in, let us in, we're drowning. They weren't prepared. They didn't believe. Mindset, you got to believe. You prepare for your finances and retirement, right? College tuition, like I mentioned earlier, other life events. So when it comes down to it, you can look at preparation as training, training for life, you know, exercising for life, planning for life, because no matter what we do, we got to be prepared for it. You know, oftentimes, as we've learned recently, life can hand us something that we're not expecting. And so it's hard to plan for things like that. Specific plans, right? No one expected what happened over the last couple of years to take place. A lot of things changed. A lot of job loss. A lot of maybe people missing out on life events. Postponing life events. So a lot of things were different. But if you plan your mindset on how you're going to deal with setback, you can do that. You plan on how your reaction is going to be if you hear bad news. You plan some of these things going into it because oftentimes when we get to that moment, I mean, that's why the military always plans. They're always planning. They're always planning. They're always practicing. They're always going on maneuvers and everything because they want to be ready. And one of the first things they teach you, I guess, is from what I understand, is that if there's shots coming at you, you take cover and you start firing back. And it becomes instinct. Some of the stuff that these military people go through become instinctual, right? Because they've been doing it over and over and over, and it's designed to save lives, save their life. And so there's all different areas where we can be prepared, all different areas where we can plan. But are you doing it to the point where you're going to win? Or are you doing it to the point where you're going to survive? Are you waiting to the last moment? And so your job is half-assed? Or you're putting all your time, effort, and energy into it. I mean, think about, we heard the comment about social media is your LinkedIn ready to go in case you meet that person. What's your other social media look like? I mean, a lot of you spend more time getting ready for a Saturday night out on the town than you do for other aspects of your life. And then you bitch and complain that the other aspects of your life aren't going well. Maybe you should spend more time in the other aspects of your life. Maybe you should rearrange your social media so you're not half naked jumping around, jiggling about, and that's what people see when they get on your social media. It just depends. It's up to you. Not judging, but it's up to you. If you don't like the way life is right now, maybe you need to make some changes. And maybe those changes include creating a plan, putting that plan in motion, giving yourself preparation and training, and then going after it and doing something. But unless you plan, unless you prepare, you're not going to be successful. You might have some successes. You might have some things that go well because you're able to wing it and pull it off at the last minute. But those are little successes. Those aren't big successes. You're not going to win championships at the last minute. You put the work in. You put the time in. You've committed yourself. You've dedicated yourself. And that's when it pays off. Because again, take the gym analogy. If you go to the gym and you have your plan and you put that plan into motion and you're working out on a regular basis, you're going to see results. Maybe you include 
a meal plan. You're going to eat properly. Get the exercise. You're going to have results. If you go to the gym and you're spooling around and you're doing this and that and here and there, and believe me, I've been there. I've been to the gym and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but my food doesn't change. My diet doesn't change. I do it half-assed. I go every once in a while. I don't put in the time when I'm there. Just kind of go through the motions. You're not going to see any change. So you've got to be committed. You've got to do it. And you want to do it because of you. Invest in yourself. Invest in your life. You're the one that has to live it. So why not live the life that you want to live versus the life that you think you have to live? It's a big difference when it comes to happiness and quality of life. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, check us out on our website. That's RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click the logo of Two Steps Ahead Podcast and all of our episodes pop up. There's also a video component, which is on YouTube. There's an audio component, which is on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to those and never miss an episode. You can also uh, check us out on Instagram at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and um, show clips and things like that will be there. There's also a link tree link in the, the bio that takes you to all different places, such as YouTube and SoundCloud or Merchandise Shop. If you want some cool merchandise, you want to help support the show, that would be awesome. Um, there's also some other things in there as well. Um, and so we encourage you to check us out online. You can listen to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. So if it's Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, wherever. You can do an internet search of TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Or you can do, hey, Google, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and our latest podcast episode will pop up. So it's easy to find. You just got to put in the work. And you can find us anywhere you want. You can also email the show at two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out. Or you can send me a message. I've got a, a number hooked up. It's 626-676-8972 is the number. 626-676-8972. If um, you yeah, want to reach out because you need some resources for help or you know you just got something that you got to get off your chest, you need a listener. I might not have all the solutions, but I do know some people that I may be able to connect you with if that's uh, something that you need. Um, so, you know, don't prank call me and I don't do bail money. So forget all that, but uh, it's there as an option just in case. But more importantly, live life because you want to. Live the life that you want to. Take your passion, make it happen, raise the standard, bring out your inner greatness so that you can inspire and motivate others to do the same. And if we do that and more people catch on and more people do that, then this place is going to be a better place than it is today. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.